Blog Talk Radio. Minions, it's Saturday morning, even though it's a very windy Saturday morning here in Indianapolis in our uh, balance studios high atop the balance studios in Indianapolis, the west suburbs of Indianapolis. I'll get it right. My name is Tom Mark Marcel Presidente. Welcome aboard. Uh, today is a big day in college football, especially if you are you know, associated with the military in any way. A very special day today, the Army-Navy game, the annual Army-Navy game, and always fun to watch. That takes place today at 3 o'clock. We're going to be jumping into our college football segment here in just a moment. We are waiting on Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, and Super Buckeyes fan, all-around good guy in college football co-anchor and also a little bit later on uh to today in the show we're going to be talking about the loss of al unser certainly five-time indy 500 winner uh, one of few one of four i believe five four don't get my math right but either which way uh he passed away in his home in new mexico uh, and certainly he believed uh, to die peacefully. So we remember him today, and we're going to take some time out of the show today to pay tribute to Al Unser. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, is going to help us with that as well. Stick around for the NBA talk as he's our official NBA contributor. Uh, Ed Kratz, our NFL contributor, unable to join us today. Uh, so it's just me and you for the NFL. I think. I think we can handle it. Pretty sure that we can. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lequa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Okay, I'm in. Roger, sir. All right, team, here we're going to go on a five mile run to get warmed up. Hey, where's Navy? Hey, you guys start off on a slow jog. Let me get Navy. All right. All right. Come on, Navy. Time for a run. I'll catch up. Hey, Alexa. Yes, Chad. Order me the Friday night special. Ordering a Hawaiian pizza. With extra pineapple from Grant Hall. Hi. Hey, Alexis, when is this year's Army-Navy game? 
Army will beat Navy on December 8, 2018. No, Alexis. Army beat Navy the last two years. There is no way that is happening for a third year in a row. Army will repeat Navy on December 8, 2018. Alexis? All right, and welcome back to The Balance. Clearly, that was from a couple of years ago, but I always thought that was one of the better uh, pregame hypes. Obviously, we're talking about the Army-Navy game uh, taking place today, 3 o'clock. Adam Jibbidale, like I said, at the forefront at the beginning of the show. It's very, very windy here in Indianapolis, and uh, Adam has lost his power, uh, if you will. So uh, we're going to dive into the Army-Navy game and college football and uh, ourselves, so Rick Riggin is is it's his weekend to work uh, as uh, we don't pay his mortgage for him. <laughs> uh, but so it, it's just it's just me and then Tony uh, Donahue from the Tony D podcast will be joining us here in just a few minutes as we begin our tribute uh, to Al Unser as we learned yesterday that he passed away peacefully in his home in New Mexico. Big news out of Georgia. Dan Lanning to become the Oregon, the new Oregon head coach. And let's face it, he's one of their biggest recruiters. Uh, defensive uh, coordinator, obviously, with Georgia, and now the head coach of Oregon. Well, we named the new head coach uh, maybe as soon as Monday, according to uh, sources, that is. Uh, and so we'll see what that happens. Lanning and Georgia – uh, we're negotiating whether or not the assistant will remain uh, with the school through the college football playoff, uh, but which Georgia will place Michigan in the semifinal in, in December. Well, it is the, the end of the month. <laughs> maybe, maybe the wind has gotten to my brain. A big game today. Army, Navy, I tell you what, even if you're not prior military like myself, and I salute all of the uh, – uh, prior military people today uh, as we as we play this game it is fun but it is a great um a great look back or a great look at a rivalry that's been going on for many 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 years this will be the 122nd army navy game uh <clears throat> and i believe it's probably one of the greatest rivalries football always played on a neutral field today metlife stadium in rutherford new jersey you know that it's where the Giants play. So it is that time of year again for America to tune in to one of the most annual traditions that is that the sports have to offer. No, not college football players opting out of bowl games. <laughs> the Army-Navy game. One of the most disciplined games you'll ever see, and probably there'll be one of the fewest penalties uh, that, that, you will, that you will see. So you know, we'll see what happens. Army got it last year. Uh, Navy has certainly dominated in the past. So we'll see. We're very, very excited uh, to watch this game today. Army, uh, Army West Point, if you will. Uh, Black Knights and the Navy midshipmen. Uh, so the spread is Army seven and a half. So here's the thing. Army has to control the ball absolutely has to control the ball because Navy is, well, they're a dang good team. <laughs> a dang good team, that's for sure. My name's Tom Mark with El Presidente. Our lights are flickering here as well. So if we lose, uh, if we lose things, then pre-warning uh, of that. Uh, so um, 
we're going to try to go ahead and get um, uh, Tony on here. Uh, we're going to effort to get him on uh, before hopefully we don't lose our power as well. One of those days. And just try to effort to get a hold of him real quick. This certainly not how we normally run things, but with live radio, you got to go with the way things flow. <clears throat> My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We're going to drop off of here, take a break, and try to get uh, Tony Donahue on here. grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the youngest of four brothers, all of whom first started racing at the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Al came to Indianapolis in 1965, finishing ninth in his first race, and just five years later, he drove to Victory Lane in dominant fashion. Three Unser brothers have raced here in Indianapolis. One, Jerry, was killed in an accident in the late 50s. Bobby Unser won the race two years ago, and now Al can complete the first brother act in victory at Indianapolis. It's just the greatest feeling you can ever imagine that you have accomplished something that, that you've dreamed about of just being at Indianapolis. And all of a sudden, there you are. You have won the race. You've beaten the very best there is. You've dominated the race all day. It was our day. There wasn't anything that I couldn't do. I led 190 laps. I mean, that's an awful lot of laps to lead around here. <laughs> and that was the voice of the late Al Unser. We heard of his loss yesterday, certainly five-time uh, Indy 500 winner. Joining us now to help us pay tribute to, to Al Unser, uh, certainly one of the greatest names in, in uh, IndyCar racing of all time, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? Good, good. Yeah, um, it's been a, a tough week, really a tough uh, tough couple of months in the racing world. You know, you lose the three-time winner in Bobby Unzer mm-hmm. and then a couple of broadcasters mm-hmm. in Bob Jenkins and Robin Miller. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you, Friday night we're watching the ticket unveil of the 2022 Indianapolis 500. And for the, for the first time since 1992, a driver is going to get a chance to run for a fifth, a record fifth Indianapolis 500 win. And then uh, less than less than five to six hours later, we learn of the passing of four-time champion Al Unser. I tell you what, he's only one of four uh, 
drivers to ever win five Indianapolis 500s. Uh, we, we remember this past year, Elio Castroneves gets his fifth. And what a great picture that was that was taken of all five winners uh, on, on there at the Brickyard. Uh, and just how cool it is to see the legends like that. Um, when you look at uh, Al Unser, from, and you heard that in the soundbite, you know, the way that they want to, you know, each has a way of doing things uh, to people. But uh, you can tell that Al Unser is just a um, – well, he was handling it well. I guess it's a closer to the end, if, if that makes sense. What, what, are, what are your thoughts and memories of Al Unser? Could talk with us a little bit about, you know, Al Unser as a driver, and, and I believe you've met him a few times as a person. Yeah, I mean, you think about the four winners that have won the Indy 500 four times. Um, Al Unzer was the one that, you know, you you, you, you knew A.J. was going to probably get there, but it took A.J. Uh, some time. And then Al Unzer wins in 70, 71, and then 78, I believe. And then it takes nine years, and he's 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 subbing. He's, he's in a substitute role in 1987. Danny Angaius gets injured in a crash. Roger Penske calls his old buddy Allenzer and says, "Hey, I've got a, I've got my third car available to you. It'll be world class. It'll be top notch equipment." And the car is sitting over just south of the speedway at the Cummins um, front in, in the lobby of, of Cummins over there, right off of right off of uh, Polco and Tenth. And they pull the car out, and it's fast and. He methodically, you know, makes his way up to the field. He was a methodical driver. Um, he was very quiet. He did all of his talking on the racetrack. Um, he even came back uh, in another substitute role five years later in 1992 uh, when Nelson PK got into a crash, and he drove a Menards Buick to a third-place finish, and it was a front-row seat to see his son win over Scott Goodyear in the closest finish in history. So a very quiet man, um, very appreciative. Uh, you, you know, when you think back, from growing up with the Speedway like I did in the 90s, you know, you didn't really see a lot of Al Unser, and when you did, you knew it was a special moment because you didn't come around that often. Obviously, A.J. Foyt was always there because he owned a team. Rick Mears was always there because he was a spotter for Elio Castro-Nevis. But um, when you think about the four four-time winners of the 500, um, Al Unser is probably the most methodical, the most quiet, soft-spoken one of them all. And, yeah, I got to spend some time with him about two years ago, and uh, – spent the day together doing autograph sessions at, at a couple different Kroger's here in Indianapolis. And he was very well appreciative. He was, he was very open and, and, and loved to talk to the fans and uh, the lines at the Speedway Kroger were, were out the door for him. So um, certainly, certainly gone, but, but not forgotten and uh, back on his career. And, and just think of all the great success that he had um, as an IndyCar champion back in 1985 as the four time Indianapolis 500 winner, um, and, 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 and just looking forward to kind of continuing to remember his life. You know, and I, I, I always enjoy that, that, uh, the pylon down at the track when they remember somebody or they, they show a special cause. You remember back in the years, obviously they didn't have that, uh, ability. So now that they have that ability and that picture that, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, released of that have him being honored at, on the pylon is, is a great honor in itself. And if you if you think about in comparison it to uh, recent death, it's like uh, Bob Dole resting in the rotunda 
at the Capitol for a race car driver to be honored on, on the pylon at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is very, very similar and a very, very big honor for him to receive that. So great that Indianapolis Motor Speedway did that, and great message that uh, IMS President Doug Bowles did. His final victory was at age of 47. He was the oldest uh, winner in the Indy 500 history. He dominated his first Indy win in 1970 by starting from the pole and leading all but 100, I mean, all but 10 laps of the 200 laps. Unser beat runner-up Mark Donahue by 32 seconds that year. But I got to ask, are you related to him? Because I know you're really, no. really tied into the racing community. I didn't know if you were or not, but. Nope. <laughs> so, so we look at Al Unser, and we look at we look at those that picture of of all the five time winners, and we look at you know uh, AJ Foyt, and you know Johnny Rutherford said that Al was the class of the field, and that's a, a very very true statement when you say. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it was it was really cool this past July when Elio Castroneves won his fourth Indianapolis 500 to join Al Unser, A.J. Foyd, and Rick Mears as the only four drivers to ever win four Indianapolis 500s. And, you know, you, you, you kind of look back at it now and you think, man, you know, glad that they got that picture in. There was kind of a, a sense of urgency just because you know, A.J. Foyd, Al Unser were, were, were getting older in age, and they wanted to make sure as soon as possible they got all those pictures of the four guys holding up the four fingers um, with the board Warner trophy down on the, on the, on the yard of bricks. So, um, you know, he, 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 he could run fast. Roger Penske had a lot of faith in him and, and his brother, Bobby, who passed away back mm-hmm. in May. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he was, he was a methodical driver. He wasn't going to, you know, ma- you know, you think about Mario Andretti and, and Danny Sullivan and, and, and some of the sex appeal of the, of the drivers of the eighties, but you, you didn't get that with Alonzo. He was old school. He cut his teeth on the dirt tracks. He lost his brother in the late fifties in racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then Bobby and him just took over at the Pikes Peak Hill climb, which then, you know, got them to the Indianapolis 500 and, and, and the rest there is history. You know, the Unser family was a racing family, as, as we very well know, but the Unser family combined for nine wins at the at the Indy 500. Al Jr. won the Indy 500 twice in 1992 and 1994. Coincidentally, Al Unser, Al Unser Jr. and Bobby Unser all won their final Indy 500s uh, driving with Roger Penske, and that in itself is an honor. Tony Donahue from the Tony Donahue uh, Tony D podcast joins us. Uh, today, I know we only got you for a few short minutes, so I wanted to kind of talk some, a little bit of NBA. We are going to we greatly miss Alan, so I appreciate you taking some time to help pay tribute to him, as I know that you also cover a lot of IndyCar, and that's a, it's a big uh, a big thing for you. I want to talk with you a little bit about Mark Miles, and <laughs> and I think you know where I'm going with this. He basically feels like he's worth more, uh, and that you know he he kind of feels like he's well, I, the way you read it, it kind of feels like he feels like he wants to go somewhere else. What are your thoughts on what Mark Miles said to the Athletic and then what he said after the Mavericks game? I think you're referring to Pacer player Miles Turner. Um, and I'm so sorry. Before. You're right. My brain, yeah. my brain is fried. Our power is flashing in and out. And my screen keeps going in and out. <laughs> my apologies, uh, Tony. Thanks for billing me out. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's exactly who I'm referring to. Um, you know, it's, it kind of came out this week that the Pacers were going to have a maybe a fire sale and trade some guys, and then some guys were auditioning for role for, for role players, and 
and and that team that has bonded Miles Turner and his team together, and they've played really well this week. But it's been a very inconsistent basketball team throughout the entire season. I mean, they'll put up three wins in a row like they did last week, and then now they got to go on the road out west, and they'll probably go one of four. So Miles um, Turner, his biggest problem has been inconsistency. And he has one or two big games, and he wants to run his mouth about how he's one of the top players, and he needs to be treated like that. And then he'll come out and score two points and grab three rebounds or or get in foul trouble early and only have five points and four rebounds. So um, if, if he can be consistent, then then he can talk, and I don't mind him talking, but he's not a consistent basketball player, and that's, that's kind of cost this team over the last couple of years. Um, you know, if he does get traded, great. Sabonis probably has the most trade value right now because he's a better player as a two-time All-Star. Um, but guys like Jeremy Lamb's got to go. Karis LeVert's kind of finally finding his rhythm. Uh, which is good for his trade value because then maybe you can dish him off for somebody or, or some future picks. So, um, I mean, it's just Miles doing what Miles does, and, and I could put up with it, but every time he seems to open his mouth and talk about how great his game is, he'll come out and lay an egg. So, if they can sit on this Western Road swing. You know, I want to get your opinion on something else at the Gossip Tree uh, this this week. I know JMB uh, with John was talking a little, bit, a little bit about it on his show. The Simons are saying, hey, we're open to a complete shakeup of this team. You think it comes to that? I mean, they're they're talking about just basically cleaning house for all intents and purposes. Does it come to that with the Pacers? I mean, look, the attendance isn't there. There's not um, a lot of money coming in. I mean, you think about a team that's still paying Monte Ellis, who hasn't been on the team for four years, a team that's still paying a coaching staff uh, from last year that they fired. So, um, you know, if if they're going to blow it up, now's the time to do it. I mean, you're projected to be a, get a top ten draft pick, so – um, but it's hard to tell those guys that are on the uh, on the court that they like, hey they need to uh, they need to slow things down and they need to they need to lose games. It's hard to tank in the NBA, so um, I, I think we will definitely see some. Um, I think we will definitely see some uh, some shakeups here over the next couple of weeks. Well, was TJ Warren going to be part of that shakeup? Is he going to be a bargaining chip? Is he, is he going to be a trade bait? I think Warren stays. I mean, he's been injured. He likes he- here in Indy. Here in Indy, um, he's a player that can bring you some scoring. He's kind of a player that you really need right now because that second unit is really lacking in the scoring department with guys like Jeremy Lamb and O'Shea Brissett, Keelan Martin, um, Brad Wanamaker. So, um, you know, if you could keep Warren and get him on your bench as somebody who can who can who can provide ten to twelve points a night, I think he's definitely worth keeping. We're talking about dead weight, uh, Malcolm Brogdon dead weight for the Pacers can't be traded because of his, uh, this extension being signed. Uh, but when you consider him dead weight, if there could be a way to get rid of him, they should figure out a way to get rid of him. Well, I mean, yeah, but you can't, like you said, you can't do it for a while. I mean, they have, they went and got him. That was the guy that thought was going to lead them in their future and was going to be their, you know, their superstar. And he hasn't done that, but, and they decided to re-sign him, and now you're paying him a crap ton of money, and you can't trade him. So uh, he's here to stay. So with Brogdon, it's just like, hey, hopefully he gives you, hopefully he gives you 25 points tonight, which he's 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 capable of doing. But then there's nights where he only goes for for, for 10 points and and two rebounds and two assists. So again, this whole team in general, when it comes to the Pacers, is about just finding some consistency. Well, we've got to look to the rookies then, right? Chris Dorte and Isaiah Jackson. Uh, that Those could be the uh, future Pacers that we look at, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Duarte is a guy that's obviously proven that he can score. Um, he had, what, 17 last night. He's a guy that is not afraid to take a shot. He's not afraid to go get a bucket, which I like. I mean, there's going to be some, some growing pains 
and some rookie problems that he runs into, like we've seen. Um, he's not going to get as, the calls that he likes when he drives the lanes and throw, throws up a crazy layup and, and misses and gets banged up. I mean, and then Isaiah Jackson, I mean, once he gets fully healthy, which he hasn't been, I think he can give you part of the tank and off the bench. As we know, Rick Carlisle tested positive for COVID-19, going to miss several games. What kind of an impact is that going to play on the on the team? Obviously, didn't play much of an impact last night as they, as they beat, got a good win against the Mavericks. But going forward, that we don't know exactly when Rick Carlisle returned. There's a process of that to happen. Uh, but him gone, do you, I mean, is he also excluded from practice and, and team meetings and all that? Or is it just game day? Is he, or is he totally away from the team, I'm just wondering what kind of an impact that's going to play. Yeah, I mean, when you're on COVID protocol, you, you, you go into quarantine, basically. You you have to stay away from the practice facility. You have to stay away from games, the stadium. Um, and, and the NBA takes that really seriously. Obviously, it was the first, you know, back in 2020, it was the first, um, you know, sports league to pretty much say, look, we're not going to do this. We're going to move on. And um, we're going we're gonna to stop play. So, yeah, he, he's involved in Zoom meetings. He's in contact with the coaching staff and the players and, and probably is, is has a presence, you know, via computer or via iPhone when practices are going on. But, yeah, he has to stay away from the, from the facility and, and stay home in quarantine until he passes two straight negative tests. You know, I'll let you go with this comment because I know you got to go. But I'm curious with our modern technology and what everybody's been able to do with Zoom and, you know, uh, me, Teams and that sort of stuff. Is there a way that we, we could figure out for Rick Carlisle to attend meetings, attend practices via Zoom, live Zoom feed to him, uh, especially with the technology that the NBA has? And wouldn't it be okay for him to have that technology available on game time and be able to communicate with the appropriate people uh, even though he's not physically at the location. Do you think that could happen? Is that going to be permitted? Would that be permitted? I mean, I think that during practices, you know, he'll be there virtually and he'll probably be able to see what's going on. But but as far as coaching a game, I mean, you're not going to do that. It's, it's, there's such a certain feel as a yeah. head coach that you get while you're at the game and then interacting with the players. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that you probably could have an iPad up there with him, but – but then, but then, you know, it's going to be an unfair advantage because he could be sitting at home watching watching film of the first quarter right off the bat. So uh, that certainly yeah. won't happen. It, it would probably give them a give them an advantage if he's sitting on the couch watching a, watching the game as as opposed to being there and being able to break it down or rewind the tape and see things. So uh, that's why he won't see it during a game. Tony Donahue of the Tony T Podcast. We'll get your podcast up we'll on social media. What are you guys working on this week? Yeah, we had a little nice little tribute, as you mentioned, to Al Unzer, and we'll uh, we'll see if there's I've, I've talked about on my podcast some of the news that has came out of the PRI show with Roger Penske, and what the future holds for IndyCar and some of these drivers. All right, Tony, you have yourself a good weekend. Who wins, Army or Navy? Um, Navy by a field goal, six to three. Oh man, I'm going for Army. All right, buddy, have yourself a good weekend. Stay safe. You too. Take care. Thank you. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. We are having some weather issues here in Indianapolis with the flickering of the power and stuff. Uh, so, you, you know, it is what it is. got to kind of go with things. But because of that, what we're probably going to do is go ahead and play this tribute again to Al Unser. And we will go back on the other side and we'll probably close shop up 
because the last thing we want is to lose uh, power and then to uh, be able to cut off in the middle of the show. So we're going to play that full tribute to Al Unser at this time. Al Unser grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the youngest of four brothers, all of whom first started racing at the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Al came to Indianapolis in 1965, finishing ninth in his first race, and just five years later, he drove to Victory Lane in dominant fashion. Three Unser brothers have raced here in Indianapolis. One, Jerry, was killed in an accident in the late 50s. Bobby Unser won the race two years ago. And now Al can complete the first brother act in victory at Indianapolis. It's just the greatest feeling you can ever imagine that you have accomplished something that, that you've dreamed about of just being at Indianapolis. And all of a sudden, there you are. You have won the race. You've beaten the very best there is. You've dominated the race all day. It was our day. There wasn't anything that I couldn't do. I led 190 laps. I mean, that's an awful lot of laps to lead around here. <laughs> Unser also took his first IndyCar National Championship title in 1970 with 10 wins in 18 races for Vell's Perdelli Jones Racing. Pal is probably the best race driver ever to get in a car and make it work. He knew how to win. For a car owner, you could not ask for a better race driver. Very, very talented, and he knew how to go fast. I mean, he just knew how to put it all together. The following year, Al Unser became just the fourth driver in history to win Indy back-to-back. -back. Here we come to the checkered flag for Al Unser, and he crosses that line, the last yard of break. You can pay a lot of credit to Al Unser because, like I say, he just he could get the most out of a car and knew how to win. Al Unser won the 500 again in 1978, winning for the third time in just nine years. Al Unser, very polished, one of the smartest race drivers as far as racecraft that I've ever known. A great race driver that was never recognized for his ability as good as he was. My father has a, has a style of racing and my uncle has a style of racing. And what I tried to do in my career is take the best of Uncle Bobby and take the best of my dad and put them together. When things were right with Al, he was the most untouchable human being I ever saw. Al was the most vicious race driver for winning that I ever saw if things were right. In all, he won 39 career IndyCar races and two more championship titles both with Team Penske in CART in 1983 and 85. But by 1987, Unser was without a ride at Indy. A serious practice crash by Danny Ongaius, however, got Al back with Team Penske unexpectedly and a chance to win again at Indy. As you know, Ongaius probably overdrove it and got himself in trouble, and they decided at that point that he wouldn't be cleared to race. And Al Unser Sr. was available and a, a good friend of mine at that point and then Tuesday, Roger calls me on the phone. He says, would you run my third car? It's going to be a March, and it's going to be a Cosworth engine. It'll all be first-class stuff. I just said yes, instantly. I wanted to race. Yellow flag with eight laps to go. It's Mario Andretti, who has gone down into the infield. 
When that green flag came out, I put the medal down and I never lifted, and I didn't. I mean, it, it's a true fact that I run around there wide open. And now here it is. Al Unser joins A.J. Foyt as one of only two men ever to win the Indianapolis 500 four times in his life. To win that race that day under the conditions that I came here the month of May, it's a storybook race, you know, that, that uh, it just shows when your, your lady luck is on your side or the good Lord is with you upstairs, you're going to put it together. And with the team that I have and all the people around me, there I was. Al Unser's my biggest hero, and uh, I love my dad. Pay tribute to Al Unser, one of the greatest IndyCar drivers of all time. Certainly one of the elite uh, to win five Indy 500s. Only four other people have ever done that in the entire history of the Indy 500. And again, what a great tribute that was uh, for uh, Doug Bowles and Indianapolis Motor Speedway to uh, to honor. Al on the pylon yesterday. Great picture that's on social media. Uh, check that out. My name is Tom Mark with Al Presidente. We're experiencing some weather issues here, uh, so we are going to have to c- cut things short. Uh, just to make sure that we don't get cut off. <laughs> that's the last thing that we want. But do make sure you're taking some time to follow us on Twitter at T Balance, Facebook The Balance, and certainly we join, catch all the podcasts, all the past posts shows. If you're listening to us on podcasts right now, just hit subscribe. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, TuneIn, Stitch, or really anywhere, any platform that you got that you use. Uh, my name is Sal Mark with El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>